Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Balls Over the Top podcast. I'm Michael Rock. And I'm Brendan Collins, and we've got another wonderful week of sports to talk about. We're going to jump right into things. We're going to start with world football. Yes. Match, pretty... match, day, match day 18, we're going to talk about in the Premier League. It's an exciting week, and it's off the tails of a, of a fairly eventful week in that they're playing a whole bunch of match days in a very short span of time. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to fit in the FA Cup matches this upcoming weekend but while squeezing in, not really missing the weekly match day. So there's a lot of games. I mean, we're pretty much scattered all over the place. But we are starting things off tomorrow with a Chelsea versus Leicester City matchup that's really got my mouth watering. I am very excited for this matchup. Two teams... Maybe headed in different directions right now. Yeah, you'd hope so. We'd see Chelsea start off by getting a goal this past week and securing a victory for themselves. Yeah, with the victory this past week, it was a nice change of pace for them. I mean, they they needed it. It stopped the bleeding. They were coming off of just a run of terrible form, a bunch of losses in games that they would have hoped to have gotten wins or at least points out of. And... There's been a lot of talks about whether or not their big marquee signings are going to be able to mesh. I mean, we've seen Kai Havertz struggle. We've seen Timo Werner struggle. We've seen Hakeem Ziyech in and out of the lineup, whether it's been because of injury or just not just playing well enough. Performances, yeah. And, you know, Ben Chilwell's been maybe a pretty big bright spot. Tiago Silva's been a pretty big bright spot. And... Obviously, their goalkeeper addition, Mendy, mm-hmm. has been huge. Yeah. But, you Rich, know. Rich the, James has come into his own as a right back. Yeah, but we kind of foresaw that. I mean, he played really well last year, and we would have expected him to take a step forward. I'm talking about, you know, they spent close to half a billion pounds this past transfer window oh, on, yeah, yeah. on world class talent, and, or at least half a million, half a billion dollars, maybe not half a billion pounds. You would have expected those big marquee signings, Havertz, Werner, to be producing, and just so far it's not been there. I mean, right now, Werner seems like he couldn't score, you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, no. it's been brutal. But I'll tell you, we have seen a lot of scoring out of some of the top-of-the-table teams, Manchester City, Manchester United, Tottenham, all big scorers. But this past weekend, all held in check. So we wonder if we're going to see these trends double back, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very large defensive wave coming forth. Yeah, we saw Tottenham play to a 1-1 draw over the weekend against Burnley. And then we saw the United and Liverpool snooze fest. You know, the only team that continues to still be rolling at least looks like City after they thrashed Palace over the weekend. So. And even then, it was a very much a defensive effort with Stones breaking the tie off a, off a beautiful header from Kevin De Bruyne. But uh, I don't know. I think this English Premier side has been interesting. I think the defense is going to come into effect, though. Well, we should see both Manchester sides hopefully continue their big scoring this week as, you know, after the Chelsea matchup on Tuesday, on Wednesday, we have City facing Aston Villa and Manchester United facing Fulham. Both lower, you know, 
lower quality teams, obviously Villa's had a better season than yeah. Fulham has. And they can probably test the defense a little bit better than Fulham can at the moment, but it'll still, still be interesting matchups. And the last matchup of Wednesday was one I was really looking forward to, Leeds versus Southampton, but unfortunately, due to the COVID, that game has been postponed. So that wraps up our midweek action in the Premier League, but we had some other really exciting action throughout Europe. And as always, I'm going to throw it over to you for the Bundesliga. Yeah, well, we can jump into it. Dortmund did not play well this past match day. Sad to say. They barely squeak out a point versus Mines. They get the one goal back late in the in the first half, but they don't have a very good offensive effort. I mean, if Erling Holland isn't at the top of his game, his team doesn't score. Not saying Erling Holland can't take a game off because he should be able to, but I don't know. I don't think he's getting transferred until this summer at the earliest, and even then, it's going to be a really big money deal. I imagine he sticks around through the end of the year, and especially through the Champions League. They have some unfinished business there. Elsewhere in the Bundesliga, we did see Bayern squeak out a win against Freiburg after that game was tied up late. They get a pretty late game winner, 74th minute from Thomas Muller. Has a goal and assist in that game. Another impressive game from the center forward. I mean, the guy is just always in the right spot. And then, you know, we thought maybe it could have been a turning point, could have been a building block for Schalke. They go into halftime, tied 1-1 with Eintracht Frankfurt. Oh, a beautiful goal by Matthew Hopp again, scoring for Schalke. Another goal, nutmegs the goalkeeper near post. Chris shot, great, great goal. But in the end, they come up just short. Yeah, conceding in the 74th, and then again in stars, and then again in stoppage time. Yeah, Luka Jovic in his return to Eintracht Frankfurt. That's a brace, which I think he was just aching to get out of that Real Madrid yeah, he side. Just needed it just seemed time. like a bad fit from the beginning. They weren't going to give him the run of form he needed to get comfortable or, you know, stretch of playing time. And this could be a really exciting second half of the season for that Frankfurt side and for Luka Jovic to really reestablish himself as one of the hot young prospects yeah. in I mean, Europe. He's 23 years old. Oh, incredibly he's, skilled. And when when he's in form, and we even saw it, a few glimpses of it with Real, you can tell why he they spent all the money for him. Yeah, but, and it's just a loan deal. Al. Yeah, so this could be huge, though. Maybe it gives prove, it's a proven ground to get him back on the pitch mm-hmm. for Real next year, or it just is the proof he needs that that's not a good fit. It's time for him to go. Either way, I think this is good news for him, and I think he shows it with a brace in his return to the Bundesliga. In addition to this Bundesliga action, we saw some crazy Serie A action this past weekend. Really topsy-turvy at the top of the table. And it's your second favorite league, so why don't you introduce some of these games? Yeah, well, you know, they started off the great weekend of games back on Friday, where we saw two of the really big prominent teams in the league, Lazio and Roma, face off in a match that really ended up being one-sided. I mean, coming into it, Roma had been in the hot run of form. They've really been one of the hotter teams in this area. Scoring goals like crazy. Exactly. And Lazio, it seemed like, was trending the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Couldn't really get their footing. Had some issues with COVID here and there. 
Well, you wouldn't have known it from this result. They come out, they get the 3-0 victory, two goals in the first half, one in the second. I mean, really, eight shots, all eight of them on target. It was just, they were clinical. They, they, were, they came out and they were ferocious and they wanted it more. And wow, the games only really seemed to get better. I mean, Saturday, there really weren't any games that I watched. There were three matches, and not a single team in any of the matches was in the top seven. So it was a whole bunch of mid-lower table teams. Most of the favorite teams won. We saw a draw in there. But Sunday was really the main course here. Mm -hmm. We had Atalanta playing early in the morning, nil-nil. It's fine. I was still asleep anyway. It's a 6.30 a.m. game. Yeah. I'm not even... I'm seeing ha- glimpses anyway at you that point. You would have through it anyway. But then, Napoli versus Fiorentina. Oh, wow. wow. It was an eruption of goals. Napoli going off five different players, scoring six goals between them. Lorenzo Insigni, the only one with multiple. He gets the brace, the second one from the spot. He also gets an assist on one of them, too. He w- was certainly in the mix for that attacking side. So it was Herving Lozano, a.k.a. Chucky. Yeah, it was It was four goals in the first half, two in the second. And really, this game was pretty much over as soon as it started. I mean, Insigne puts them up in the fifth, and they just never looked back. We moved on, though. The afternoon, I mean, it was the game of the weekend, maybe across all leagues. Mm-hmm especially considering how that United-Liverpool game ended up playing out. Inter playing against Juventus, and Antonio Conte against his old team, Andrea Pirlo against his old manager. I mean, a lot of storylines here. Obviously, major, major, major top-of-the-table implications. Mm -hmm. And we see Inter Milan deliver with a 2-0 victory. Nicolo Barella with a beautiful goal. Arturo Vidal with an incredible header. And off a Barella cross, again. Off yeah, just... An outside un- the foot. Unreal, unreal victory for Inter. Monumental for them. Keeps them on track. And, you know, great to see them get the result. As you know, they're my favorite side in the Serie A. And then, of course, this afternoon we got to see Milan back on the pitch. Of course, everybody's favorite, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, comes in strong, gets a brace for the side. Milan ends up with the victory. Even though they do get a late red card, it did not hurt their cause. They were able to hold on with the clean sheet, 2-0, and hold their place at the top of the table. Extremely impressive. It is still transfer window though and you know there have been some big names on the move this week for sure it's been a active week Atletico Madrid picks up Moussa Dembele from Olympic Lyon the young French striker has been quite impressive and there's an option to buy at the end of this loan deal well that could be a really good deal for Atletico I mean Dembele's had a lot of success throughout the past couple of years was one of the reasons that they made it as far as they did in Europe last year, along with Memphis Depay really f- providing a formidable attack yeah, really for that Leon side. 
Next on the list here is one we already mentioned, but we'll bring it up again a little bit more formal. We did see Luka Jovic moving on a loan from Real Madrid to Eintracht Frankfurt. Again, no details on whether or not there's any option to buy in there or there's anything in there at all. But you never know. If it's a good fit, the player might really dig his heels in. It's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on, especially with him netting a brace in his really one of the first few minutes he was even on the pitch. Mm Mm-hmm. And right now, as it stands, Sebastian Halle going to Ajax is the biggest transfer of this window. Are you surprised by that? Not necessarily. Remember, with the COVID impact on the game, the impact on the ticket sales. The finances of these clubs. Exactly. We are seeing a lot of these teams losing money, especially considering they're being asked in many countries to contribute some of the earnings they are making to try and keep the lower leagues funded and alive. So I'm not shocked that we haven't seen the immense amount of money dropped that we saw over the summer. But it's not to say we won't. A lot of these teams are still very hungry. Mm -hmm. Again, with these losses, they think winning a trophy, bringing in a big-name player, selling some shirts could help make up for that. And so... I would not be shocked to see Chelsea, City, you know, your big-name players dig into their pockets where the owners here are still pretty unimpacted by by the economic implications here mm-hmm. and make some big moves. I think we could see Declan Rice on the move. I think we're still going to see speculation about Jaden Sancho, even though it seems like that's going to wait till the summer. I think we could see something with Kaladu Koulibaly. I mean, there are a lot of big names that still were heavily linked to being on the move and we still got a bit of time left i mean a lot of times we see the most action in the in the weaning hours Mm -hmm. of the transfer window yeah sammy kadir could still be on the move i've heard that rumor we did also see mesut ozil confirmed his move to febronach which is a big deal big deal i mean remember he was the third highest paid player in the premier league which is astonishing but crazy Ends that pretty tumultuously, but he'll look to get a solid re- restart there. Yeah. And now hopefully get left. some European action, too, yeah, and, gets, and for the Turkish side. Exactly, getting some minutes. Lastly, in La Liga, we saw a lot of what we would expect. Real Madrid, Barcelona get their victories in the weekly games. Atletico also got a good result this week. But... We did see a bit of a surprise. Yes. When it came to the Spanish Super Cup, Barcelona and Messi were shocked in extra time. Yeah, they lose 3 2, and Messi gets his first red card for Barcelona in 753 games, gets his first red card. Unreal. I mean, yes. world class player. You know, it seems like the wheels have been coming off the wagon all season. Yes, yeah. they have clawed their way back into the top three. But he's missing now for two games and could be up to four, depending on how the s- suspension goes for him. It's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. That could be a major blow to their comeback attempts, trying to, again, get themselves back really above water and in contention with the big boys. And speaking of getting back. So long and happy trails to Wayne Rooney. He's retiring from his playing career in football and is looking to move on and try his hand in the managerial side and all the luck to him. 
Yeah, he's keeping that job at Derby. I guess they decided he wasn't capable of doing it as a player and a coach, or who knows. But obviously we wish him well. It would be nice to see him make the jump, or who knows, we could see him return to manage in another league that he played in. We're going to hop on over to the MLS here, because there is some question marks as to whether or not this season is going to even be played. This offseason is pretty jumping right now. The MLS is unlikely to strike if the CBA is not met, but unlikely is going in quotation marks because this 30-day window closes and they don't come back to the negotiating table and try and hammer out a deal for this upcoming season. We could be seeing a potential lockout. Yeah, and I think that could really be devastating. I mean, this is a league that has really grown its legs over the last several years. Mm-hmm really starting to blossom into a league that's establishing itself as maybe a top 10 league in the in the world. It's, which, it's producing talent. Exactly. I and mean, so, the 10th and 11th most expensive transfer that has happened in this window has been done by the Philadelphia Union. Yeah, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And, you know, having a strike like this, having a lockout, could really take a chunk out of the growth that they have seen over the last several years and could certainly slow the momentum that has enabled them to continue expanding, that has enabled them to continue to produce talent, better better and better players, and attract more and more talent from abroad. So this would be bad news, and we really hope that the owners and the players and all parties involved are able to figure this out. Could have a major impact on this upcoming season. Uh, well, there's not going to be any more impact with the Montreal Impact going through a rebranding phase. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, we were just reading about this before the show. The Canadian side deciding that they want to get a little bit more in touch with the French side. Mm-hmm of their Canadian heritage. They are changing their name from the Montreal Impact to the Club de Foot Montreal. Yeah, uh, foot fetishists are thrilled. Their merch is flying off the shelves. But we are going to turn our our attention to something a little bit more serious here. We have seen a number of coaching hires here in the MLS Yes. Including a pretty big name. Yeah, well, when we forecasted previous weeks, Phil Neville is joining Miami, is joining David Beckham's team. It's his first time managing the men's side, but we're we're very impressed to see what he's going to bring. I mean, he's brought that women's team in England quite far in his time, and I think he's going to replicate his success here in the MLS. On well, DC also hires a promising young Latin American coach, Hernan Lasada is going to DC United, looking to turn that side around after, let's face it, a couple of disappointing seasons back to back. Well, we're going to make our way over to the National Basketball Association, which is in some pretty serious peril right now. I mean, COVID has them absolutely ravaged. Mm-hmm. They had. So many games canceled last week. It was absurd. I mean, at one day, at one point, canceling the most amount of NBA games in a day that they've canceled in 
like 30 years. It's it's absurd. It's become a problem. The COVID issues have basically been in everybody's locker room. Nobody's gotten off scot-free. It's been very hard to keep this game running, not in the bubble format. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty nuts, and you know they keep on calling them postponements, and yet I don't know when they're planning on trying to squeeze these in. I mean, the numbers keep on adding up, and I just don't know when they're going to either draw a line, if they might need to take a break, if they might need to bubble back up. It just seems like it's un- it's certainly proving itself to be unsustainable on its current trajectory. Yes. But and what was unstable on its current trajectory was the fate of the Houston Rockets organization, and they make a deal. Yeah, a blockbuster deal. I mean, really the kind they only see every several years when a superstar is on the move. We saw James Harden get his wish. Mm-hmm get sent to the Brooklyn Nets yes. to play alongside Kevin Durant and eventually with Kyrie Irving, despite his continued absence, to try and form a big three in the Big Apple. But really, I think the surprise here in my mind was all of the other pieces that had to move. I mean, the Nets end up receiving Harden and a second-round pick, right, which... The fact that they got anything in addition to James Harden, I guess they got to be happy with. But yeah. you got to argue it's a win for them. They gave up a lot. I mean, they gave up three unprotected first-round picks. They gave up four pick swaps. They gave up Milwaukee's 2022 first-round pick. They gave up Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen, as well as Teron Prince. So several players... Oh, also, Radian's Karukas. Yes. Forgot about Karukas. Yeah. So, they gave up several players and a lot of picks. I mean, on the glance, that seems like a ton. You know what I mean? You see the three mm-hmm. of their own firsts, four, a fourth first round with Milwaukee's, four pick swaps, th- what, four players that was. But really, you look at the four players, I mean, yes, Karis LeVert, is a solid NBA day-to-day player. Same with Jarrett Allen. But that's kind of what they are, is solid NBA day-to-day players. I mean, when you looked at the Sixers trade, for example, for Jimmy Butler, I mean, we gave up Dario Saric, Robert Covington. I would argue that both of them at that point in time were about on par with Jarrett Allen and Karis LeVert. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so I I get it. Uh, You know, it was a big haul that they had to give up. James Harden, though, is a historically good scorer. And... He joins Kevin Durant again, the, becoming a force in the East. I don't know if you can say that they're a finals contender immediately with all the teams that they have to go through in the East. I think they are. I think there's not a team, especially when you're talking them being three, four months into this with Kyrie Irving, who will eventually be back. Mm-hmm. I think you immediately have to put them... In the upper echelon. I mean, other than maybe Milwaukee and maybe us, but we have a lot to prove yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm confidently taking over them. I think they're better than the Heat are at this moment. I think the Heat have regressed quite a bit since last year. Maybe they just need to get healthy, but, you know, it's a short it's a short season here, especially who knows if they're going to shorten it in the grand scheme because of these postponements or what have you. I, I think Brooklyn immediately becomes 
arguably the favorite out of the Eastern Conference. I think it's arguable, but I don't think it's a solidified fact. I mean, we got to remember now, there are now three players on this team or, who were expected to be the guy. That chemistry can take a while to form. I mean, we even saw it in Miami when they brought their big three together. It's not like Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron all played all hunky-dory together immediately. But the, they should be good. They should be very impressive. And with all the weirdness of the season, it wouldn't be surprising if they find chemistry early on. But, you know, we talked about the Nets here a bunch. Why don't we talk about some of the other teams? There were four teams involved in this deal, and everybody had a pretty significant piece of it. The next most significant, though, would have to be the Rockets. I mean, we already went through all of the things that they got. But then it's the Pacers. Well, we didn't go through everything the Rockets got. The, the Rockets got Victor Oladipo mm-hmm. from the Pacers, which is really a huge... I mean, he's a bona fide all-star in this league. Had an unreal season. Obviously had that devastating knee injury. Hasn't been, quite been the same since, but certainly looks like he's on the way back there. And I imagine he's the cornerstone of this deal. We also see... Dante Exum come over from the Cavs. I mean, he's he's an all right player. Yeah, he's a rotation point. Right guard. now, the Rockets need rotate. You know, they need depth, and they're obviously going to need. They to just turn, lost a point guard. They're going to need to turn some of those points, or sorry, some of those picks into pretty solid players, whether it be via trade or yeah. the draft. But with Oladipo on the Rockets, that was the big star moving there, and then we see Karis Lavert moving over to the Pacers really being the big haul that they get in return for their involvement here. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, exactly. Karis LeVert, during his physical and preparing to join the Pacers, they found a mass on his kidney. They worry it may be cancerous, and he is out indefinitely until that is resolved. So obviously we wish him the best. Yes. Hopefully he recovers quickly and gets on the court because he's an exciting player. And lastly, the Cavaliers are the ones who ended up with Jared Allen and Teron Prince. A solid pull for them. You know, I think they just were needed in this for some cap space maneuvering and ends up working out. Yeah, and they wind up coming out ahead. We mentioned it before, but Kyrie Irving continues to be out for his Various plethora of reasons. I've heard reports it was because he was breaking COVID protocols. Some of it was that he was uncomfortable playing following the unrest at the nation's capital. But either way, this is a big blow to a a Brooklyn team that wants to have their big three together sooner rather than later. Everybody is now watching to see when he's going to step foot and to see what these three look look like together. together. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight, we get to see the Atlanta Hawks wear commemorative Martin Luther King jerseys in celebration of Martin Luther King Day. Obviously, the Atlanta Hawks team being a central part of that, as Atlanta is a big part of the civil rights movement as a whole. And it, it it's, uh, it's nice to see the NBA get to celebrate. But we can move over to the NHL and we have the Dallas Stars season starting January 22nd after their COVID outbreak of 17 players testing positive. Yeah, it seems familiar 
to me. I feel like we've seen Dallas having a COVID outbreak and needing to delay the start of the season. Was that was that MLS? We yep, saw that, that was yeah, FC, da- so. FC Dallas wasn't able to participate in the MLS's back tournament because yep. they couldn't get their COVID issues together. It seems like there might be something up with that city. Yeah, well, it's a dump. It's true. We know this. There's nothing ever good happens in Dallas. Nothing nope. good comes out of Dallas. Nope, it's a pit. What isn't a pit has been this flyer start to the season. We're 2-0 and with points coming from all four lines. Yet, Mike Sealski, beat reporter here in Philadelphia and known for taking shots at Flyers, especially the leadership of its captains and Claude Drew and Voracek and the like. Well, Voracek takes arm against them. Yeah, we saw Jake Voracek fire back at Seleski in a press conference, really just kind of ripping him to shreds, kind of calling him out for yeah, calling being him a spineless weasel. and a weasel. It was kind of fun to watch. Good to see him dish it back to a guy who really does nothing but really try and rip apart and create tension in the locker room, create tension within the fan base. It's he He's not good for the Philly sports scene, and it's good to see somebody holding them accountable. Jake, longtime vet here in Philly. Yeah. Speaking of being accountable. More like accounts receivable. Evander Kane has to file for bankruptcy. Yeah, longtime NHL winger who's playing on an $8 million a year annual contract is... In an immense amount of debt, he's being forced to liquidate all sorts of things. I mean, they, I think they said his debt is like in excess of like fifty million dollars or thirty-five million dollars. Yeah, I sold. It's, I sold thirty-five million, including a whole bunch of like settlements and stuff. It's real rough. And and what was crazy is all of those settlements are already getting large portions of his salary. So it's not like that eight million a year gets to work off a lot of that debt. It's pretty crazy. So. We obviously wish him the best. He claims he was swindled with some financial planners and accountants. He also has a known gambling issue and you know has large debts to several gambling entities. So we hope he's able to get the help he needs. I mean, he's a very talented player. Never good to see athletes being taken advantage of. It's also never good to see an addiction taking advantage of somebody. And so we hope he's able to get all of that situated. Speaking of getting situated, the Blues have a rough start on the road this season, losing eight to nothing against the Colorado Avalanche at the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I mean the Avs are co-favorites to win the Stanley Cup, so this isn't that crazy to see the Avs coming out firing on all cylinders. However, it is a bit of a shock to see the Blues come out and get that beat that early on. You know what I mean? You want to start the season off on a good note, and it just seems like they did not show up to play. No, just just getting blasted. Speaking of getting blasted, the country of Belarus is now facing the wrath of the IIHF as the leader of Belarus was... The dictator. The dictator of Belarus. We can call what it is. We know. Was caught mocking the capital insurrection that happened... Was that a week ago? I feel like it was almost two weeks ago now. Like 10 days, I want to say. And it shows that there are consequences to your actions. He was kind of slapped on the wrist in a way that 
the IIHF was able to, in which they pulled the World Juniors out of Belarus and are looking for a new co-host who Belarus was supposed to co-host with Latvia. Well, they're now looking for a new co-host. You know, I know a lot of people would look, think about it and be like, oh, it's the World Juniors IIHF. Who's, you know, is that really a big deal? For a lot of these smaller countries and these more... I don't want to say obscure areas, but, you know, mm-hmm. places that don't get the same tourism yeah. stream. This is a big draw. This is a big draw. And even in a time when COVID is maybe preventing them from being crowds or things like that, you still like the positive reputation that is given and the positive depiction. You know, every time... I've never thought of even going to the Olympics, but every time I've watched the Olympics and they're showing the camera shots at the countryside nearby yeah, or like the all Sydney the locals beaches, and they're like blah, 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 in their yeah. marketplace and whatever the local food is, I'm always sitting there being like, oh my gosh, this Place that looks city so cool. looks so cool. Like I want to go visit there sometime. Yeah. You know, they lose that. For f- that all of them except for Rio, yeah. I don't want to say free marketing, but you know, they lose that marketing that comes with being the host city. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, we can move on. We got a little bit more of our oddball stuff to talk about, and we can kick it off with this past weekend. Max Holloway sets an MMA record, and it's a crazy record, for 445 significant strikes landed against Calvin Qatar in five rounds. Shout out to Calvin Qatar going five rounds, but dear God, hitting somebody 445 times significantly is absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, it was an absolute demolition. Max Holloway reestablishes himself in the elite conversation at that weight class. And we just feel bad for Calvin Cutter. Hope he doesn't have too lasting a damage from that beatdown. I mean, anybody absorbing that amount of strikes in a year is a lot, let alone in one fight. So Let alone 25 minutes. Yeah, so we wish him the best. Somebody we don't wish the best of is Dr. Mark Schmidt, which may not be a household name, so let me elaborate for a second. Dr. Mark Schmidt was a German-based doctor who ran operations for winter sports athletes to help them dope. Essentially, we operate, he ran a blood doping ring, mm. essentially. With winter sports athletes and cyclists? Yeah, so, yeah, he was helping these people cheat and cover it up, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, Hammer came down. He is sentenced to a five-year prison sentence, and you know, that's the type of thing where I almost wish it were longer. I know it's not a violent crime. I know it's not... He's not an imminent danger, necessarily, no. to society or those around him, and, and I realize that's the main purpose for prison, but... Anybody who's systematically and criminally and... It's a malpractice also. I mean, you're a doctor. Exactly. Do like no you harm have, you have part an of your oath. But the fact that you're like systematically participating in corruption is really something that I think needs to be punished and taken more, taken more seriously. Yeah, you know, it needs more redemption. The fact that somebody, you know, snatching a few hundred bucks out of a cash register would get them, you know, potentially 10 times as long of a prison sentence as somebody who was systematically for years 
helping a network of global athletes cheat the integrity of global sporting. It's like, okay, well, I think there's a lot more of a long-lasting impact of this guy's gross behavior behavior than maybe somebody who snatched money out of an open register. Now, you know, if you're holding a gun to somebody, that's a different conversation. That's a different crime. But you know what I mean. mean, And I'm not condoning any of the above. I'm just making the argument the larger implication and the long-reaching impacts of one's actions, Mm -hmm. we see way harsher sentences come down for what in the grand scheme end up being way lesser crimes. Yes. Speaking of crime, Sung Yang, a Olympic athlete from China, gets a retrial after the Swiss court reveals anti-Chia bias, bias coming out of the ban. Yeah, I want to say I'm surprised here, but I feel as though there are several countries that may have anti-Chinese mindsets. I feel like there's certain conservative movements that have a very anti-Asia and very anti-Asian progress mindset. And I understand, too, China is very controversial. I don't want to act as though China represents all Asia and China is this great thing that these people are just randomly poo-pooing. I know there are conflicts there and there are issues there, and, and it's obviously a complex topic, but it seems like the bias featured in this ruling was totally unfounded and more based at a place of prejudice than it was a place of even educated, informed decision-making. Yeah. The heart of this issue coming out of the one judge, Franco Frattini, has a host of anti-China social media posts, especially covering the dog consumption market. Yeah, which again, you know, this is an issue that hits close to home for a lot of people here in the States, big animal-loving community that really tries to unite and lobby against this Chinese practice of consuming dogs. And I know they have some pretty horrific festivals or things like that that people talk about. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, this man's job is to be a professional arbitrator and judge for a ban and, and and for other, you know, infringements or what have you. And, you know, this individual being judged has nothing to do with that tradition and that practice and that, you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so it obviously shows a, a gross level of incompetence by the judge and shows he really shouldn't be in his position if he is that easily influenced by his personal biases toward, you know, handing yeah. down judgments. Yes, but we we do expect to see the ban most likely upheld, although it may be reduced from the eight years that it was originally sentenced as. What won't probably be reduced is Cleet Keller's sentencing because he is just released after the former U.S. Olympic gold medalist was caught storming the Capitol. Yeah, this was pretty crazy, you know, looking at the aftermath of the insurrection at the Capitol. We saw several prominent public figures were people that were part of the crowds occupying and overtaking the Capitol. Mm -hmm. This, though, you got to ask yourself, what was he thinking? I mean, first of all, Cleet Keller's not somebody who really fits into a crowd at six foot six. 
He's one of the tall. They said many people noted him as one of the tallest people at the protests. And if he didn't want to make it any more obvious, he was photographed wearing his Team USA Olympic jacket that they provided to all of the athletes in the Athletes Village. Really just shocking the fact that, one, anybody would want to try and overthrow our democracy. I mean, that's crazy to me. But mm -hmm. two, that you would then go as a moderately well-known celebrity. I mean, you won gold medals with Michael Phelps. Yeah. And then three, that you would wear your Olympic jacket. Well, there are people wearing, like, their work ID. Like, these are legit dum-dums who got caught up in this storming of the Capitol. It's it's crazy to think about. Well, I mean, you're a dum-dum in the first place if you're going to storm the Capitol. So it's, you know. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Dum-dums in mass groups acting as dum-dums. I mean, it's it's terrible to see. One last piece of oddball news here, and I'll bring us into our next segment. We see a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle Grade 9 card sell for $5.2 million at auction after selling for 2.8 just a couple years ago. Baseball card market's super hot during this pandemic. A lot of people going back into their collection, I guess, with all this time indoors. Yeah, and you know, I've been seeing all sorts of things with the economy being as uncertain as it is especially with the virus, not necessarily knowing when things are going to bounce back. A lot of people are uncertain with what to do with their money, and people are turning towards sports collectibles, art, music collectibles, other things like that that they think will retain or go up in value that maybe are safer investments than even particularly real estate, because right now that's a bit of a Question mark, depending on where you are, there's a lot of different trends with population trends and tax trends and all sorts of different things based around everybody moving with the work-at-home movement. So it's the perfect storm of events, and you know I think we're only going to continue to see cards break previous records, but that is a beaut. The 52 Mickey Mantle, always crazy to see those cards still in good condition, and then, you know than the dollar sign that's attached to him. Oh, it's so impressive. Another impressive thing is the Yankees are making some deals this offseason to Major League Baseball. Yeah, they bring in Kluber on a one-year $11 million deal. The former Cy Young winner comes in to really add to that already pretty beefy rotation. And... I imagine the Yankees are going to continue to be one of the big powerhouses yeah. of the American League this, the dominant upcoming, force. this upcoming season. Over in the National League, we see the Dodgers continue to bolster their team. I mean, these are more... Maintenance things, they bring in Corey Nebel and Cody Bellinger returns on a one-year $16.1 million deal. Still a bargain for a player who's really just among the best in the majors. Absolutely. Top first baseman. And the Phillies brought in a bargain player 
as well. Yeah, adding to a bullpen, I mean, obviously it was a weakness of this roster last year, so it's good to see them address it with Archie Bradley coming in on a one-year deal worth $6 million. He's had success in a lot of bullpens in Major League Baseball. It'll be impressive to see what he can bring here. Yeah, one note I actually just correcting I'm just correcting myself Corey Kluber is a I just looked it up a two-time Cy Young Award winner oh did not realize he won it twice with the Astros but yes two-time not Astros the Cleveland Indians yes sorry so Cleveland baseball team now oh that's true they are well no they remember they're keeping it through next year yes so we still say it for another year, which okay. is ridiculous. Yeah. Also, I, I, I should work toward not saying it. It's fine. We can move on, though. That's the end of our baseball segment. There's not a lot going on. Still still pretty quiet. A lot of the top guys still haven't signed or haven't hammered out their deals just yet. But that brings us to the NFL. And, man, it's crazy because the offseason starts and we still have the divisional round stuff to talk about and the conference championships coming up and this weekend and plenty of off season stuff though already. Yeah, we've had a ton to talk about. A bunch of head coaches on the move with the Jets hiring Robert Salah, which is exciting. He is the first ever Muslim head coach Muslim head coach in the NFL. We saw the Chargers hire Brandon Stanley as their head coach. He's going to inherit Justin Herbert, a very talented crop of offensive and defensive players, headlined by Joey Bosa on the defense. And Falcons hired Arthur Smith as their head coach. But i got to say, of all the hires that have happened so far, the one that intrigues me the most is the Jaguars bringing in Urban Meyer. Yes, Urban Meyer making the jump from the college world of sports into the NFL and doing it with the Jaguars with their plethora of first-round picks. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, remember still, he took a year off last year, did some broadcasting after he was embroiled in some controversy right before leaving Ohio State. Ends up getting relieved of his duties there. And now is stepping back into the pro football world. Who knows, maybe this is just a stepping stone to eventually make his way back into the college ranks. But he might be able to turn this ship around in Jacksonville. I mean, he's really one of the big names. Immediately becomes one of the more desirable coaches in the NFL. But there are still two major head coaching vacancies that we have our eyes on. One very close to home. Yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles still don't have a head coach, and it really doesn't look like the search is falling in our favor, I would say. I mean, we've had a whole bunch of suggested interviews, a whole lot of people reporting, interviewing, but I don't think the team really has a plan at the moment. Yeah, I don't know if we have a plan, and speaking of teams that don't have plans, the other head coaching job available is the Houston Texans. And I tell you, I don't know how they've got to be feeling right now. I mean, it seems like Deshaun Watson is really putting his foot on the gas to try and force a trade, and they haven't really consulted him about the new head coach. It looks like they're going to 
maybe move on from him, but what kind of package could you pull in for that? I mean, obviously it would be massive for Deshaun Watson, but who knows realistically what you're going to be able to get there. So there's so many question marks with both of these franchises. It's going to be a project for whatever team does end up taking the job. And I'm curious. Very curious to see. So much so, Deshaun Watson has to urge his fans to cancel a protest march on his behalf at the Houston Texans facility to obviously prevent the spread of COVID as it's spiking in the Houston area at the moment. Yeah, I mean, these fans were coming out to try and convince the franchise not to move on from the quarterback. Curious if he's telling them not to participate was an indicator of his desire to stay or really their safety prioritized or maybe a combination of both. Yeah. Well, we also have divisional round games to talk about, and man, it was an exciting weekend of football. Yeah, I mean, it was riddled with a ton of curveballs. Really, you never knew what was going to happen on the edge of our seats the whole time, but it didn't quite start that way. The Green Bay Packers game was fairly predictable, as we saw Aaron Rodgers and the Packers pretty much cruise to a pretty safe victory. Mm-hmm. It seemed as though they had this game more or less in their control pretty from much, start to finish. Yeah, pretty much a wire-to-wire win for this Green Bay side. Again, impressive performances out of the quarterback spot with Aaron Rodgers, dazzling in another playoff game. And excited to have another one to host. But it was exciting to see them put up nearly close to 500 yards against a defense that came into the game ranked number one in the NFL. It's the most yards ever put up against a number one ranked defense in the playoffs. Really just goes to show how impressive that Green Bay offense is. But we are going to move on. The Saturday night game was a bit of a shocker and pretty big defensive battle. It was. Both quarterbacks played pretty well. Unfortunately, we saw Lamar Jackson go down with an injury in his own end zone. Yeah, a head injury got hit after a bad snap. There were several bad snaps that game. Goes back to try and retrieve it, goes down, hits his head on the turf, and does not return after entering concussion protocol. And from that point on, the game pretty much got out of reach. I mean, it was a one-possession game at that point, mm-hmm. and the wheels just kind of came off the bus. Yeah. I mean, Huntley did a great job. He was impressive he was as impressive a sub role. considering his lack of NFL experience. And the fact that it was a playoff game against a very tough defensive opponent. I but mean, it was not enough to get the job done. Baltimore falls 17-3, to and Buffalo advances to their first... AFC Championship game since 1993. Wow. But on Sunday, we had a couple more fantastic games. And it started off with one that really was a shocker. Oh my gosh, it was close. We see Kansas City slip past Cleveland 22-17. Cleveland covers that spread pretty handedly. And we see Patrick Mahomes also go down with a concussion, ragdoll a little bit. He enters concussion protocol. He doesn't come back. And Chad Henney finishes out the game strong, especially with an impressive late in the fourth quarter drive, taking it on, taking it 
down, I think, 13 yards to make it fourth and one, and then passing on that fourth and one to Tyreek Hill to secure their victory. A very impressive game. Brown's defense was quite good in this one as well. Yeah, the Browns really showed up, and especially with a banged-up Miles Garrett on this, you know, being in and out of the game, only able to play in pass-rush situations. The Browns have to be really happy with their performance. Their run game showed up. Kareem Hunt had a heck of a performance, same with Nick Chubb. And Baker Mayfield delivered when he was called upon. The game was really thrown into disarray after the Patrick Mahomes hit an injury, and that just made everything difficult from that point forward. I mean, you really didn't know which way it was going to shape up, but got to give credit where credit is due to Chad Henney. Huge run on third and 15, and then the big balls on Andy Reid going for that pass play on fourth down and inches. Madman. Just locked up the win, and really only coach in the NFL crazy enough to try something like that. And moving on, we saw the AARP game, the retirement uh-huh. game that night, and it might actually be the retirement game for one of the league's greatest all-time players. The New Orleans Saints fell 30-20 to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and with that, it just might be time for Drew Brees to hang up the cleats. Yeah, he throws three interceptions in this game. Those three turnovers are the difference with Tampa Bay coming and getting points off of each one of them. Drew didn't look that good. He wasn't able to throw the ball downfield. I mean, they only had one play go in the air, 53 yards to Traquan Smith, and it came off Jameis Winston and a trick play that they had come up against against the Bears the week before. Well, I got to say, one of the teams that I definitely want to give credit to here is the Buccaneers because it seems as though I at least sold them short it seems like they were kind of scrambling all year to put it together. And even in this game, it seemed like they weren't putting it together. But then, all of a sudden, Devin White went off. And really, he deserves to be MVP. He deserves all of the praise because he was just a ball hawk out there. I mean, I swear, Drew Brees didn't even see him for some of those interceptions. And just he was making tackles. He was doing everything under the sun for that team. And definitely Tampa does not win that game, if not for the return and incredible performance from Devin White. Very true. If that is it for Drew Brees, it's been an incredibly fun career. He's been so much fun to watch. And I wonder how Sean Payton's going to adjust. I mean, I'm not having many doubts. It seems as though when they had to fit, you know, turn to Taysom Hill this past year or turn to... Teddy Bridgewater last year, he didn't really skip a beat. Nope. But there was a big difference between game planning for a four or five game stretch and game planning for a whole season. And the stability that Drew Brees has provided him at the quarterback position is almost unmatched. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it, it really isn't. It's unparalleled. I mean, Dylan. You know, again, you look at Tom Brady, maybe Peyton Manning, maybe Brett Favre. And maybe Phil Rivers, but Phil Rivers doesn't even have the production that Drew does. Exactly. I mean, Remember, Drew Brees is responsible for, I believe, more than 50% of all of the 5,000-yard passing seasons that have ever occurred in the NFL. Yeah, crazy. So the two of them will go down. I mean, definitely both future Hall of Famers, Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and heck of a career. Yeah. Well, that about 
wraps it up for us here at the Balls Over the Top podcast. As always, you can hit us up on our social media. We're at BOTT Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And this podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Yeah, you can pretty much find us just about anywhere. Yeah. It's, we're can't even close your eyes without nope. thinking of our ugly mugs. So, or our ugly voices. Exactly. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. We will be back with you at the end of this week to preview the AFC and NFC Championship games. We're really looking forward to being able to dive into those, dissect them, and give you our thoughts. And as always, we appreciate you listening. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.